for tuning in to the New York Fashion Week edition of the Glossy Podcast. I'm your host, Jill Manoff, and today I sit down with Fletcher Cassell, who launched the brand Tanner Fletcher with Tanner Ritchie in 2020. The designers had a big year in 2023, becoming CFDA Vogue Fashion Fund finalists and also being nominated for the CFDA's American Emerging Designer of the Year Award. I wanted to ask Fletcher about the brand's unique focus on genderless fashion and about the ups and downs of being a brand founder. I also wanted to ask how Tanner Fletcher is approaching New York Fashion Week Fall 2024. Welcome, Fletcher. Hi, thanks so much for having me. Thank you for being here. Oh my gosh, you are days ahead of launching or you know, debuting a collection. Tell me where you are, because it looks very on brand. Um, I'm in my apartment. It's basically the headquarters for Tanner Fletcher. Everything's based here. So it's our office. It's our living space. It's our kitchen. It's everything. First of all, backstory. How did you meet Tanner? Tell me about your fashion background and how we got here. Yeah, so I met Tanner back in like 2016. We were actually actually freshman roommates at the University of Minnesota. Um, I'm from Minnesota. He's from Wisconsin. So we actually met on like Find Your Roommate Facebook page, you know, how you kind of request a roommate. Um, so we met there and we actually went on a few like roommate dates, if you will. You know, like nice. what time do you get up? Are you messy? <laughs> um and it, we just really clicked and we kept going on roommate dates and then it eventually turned into more than roommate dates. And we were actually a couple before we even moved in together. So I always say it could have been a really good thing or a really bad thing. And luckily, it's a really good thing. It stuck. I did not know this story. That's so interesting. So what were you going to school for? Oh, my gosh, like a million different things. Tanner started going for interior design right away and stuck with that. I was actually like pre-med, pre-pharmacy. I did a little bit of an interior design. And then finally, I kind of settled into fashion merchandising, which is a huge switch. Um, But I realized I needed to be very creative. I wasn't kind of using my creative bone. And it was a necessary component for me. Tell me about quickly the home side of the business because I I wasn't that familiar with it and I literally like became obsessed. You've got a little trinket box that says expensive shit. It's everything. (laughs) Is home? It's so fun. Is home a growing part of the business and significant and I don't know, a passion? Yeah, that's exactly what it is. It's definitely a growing part of the business. We kind of founded the brand on home. It's also where we base a lot of our inspiration. Um, I mean, it's really our own home is where a lot of the inspiration comes from. We actually begin designing a collection more being inspired by home or objects or things in our home before we even reference fashion in any way. Um, So it's kind of a weird quirk about us and about the brand, but home is so important to us, especially because Tanner had his background in interior design. And we we always say the home and wardrobe are much more connected than you think. I think your home is very intimate and it's, you know, almost the most concentrated reflection of your of your personality and your creative abilities. And then, you know, what you wear is kind of the outside reflection of that. So we really enjoy merging the two worlds. 
Definitely. Did you guys go the kind of traditional route and I don't know, intern or like become an assistant designer or support other designers before going it on your own? Or did you just take the leap? Yeah, it was a little bit of both. We Tanner had like an internship at Schumacher, which is a textile company in interiors. And then he worked in home staging for a while. So he had less of the intern journey. Um, but I interned for Barney's New York, rest in peace. Uh, um, iconic. <laughs> I know. I was there for like a year and I was their fashion office intern. And I worked on the cosmetics team for a little bit. Um, I also, before that, interned at Zero Maria Cornejo, which I loved. Amazing. And after, I interned at St. Laurent in New York. Um, I mean, what a resume. (laughs) Yeah, it was fun. It was honestly, I loved interning, but then that's when the pandemic hit. So I've never had any, like, you know, real job, if you will. It's only been internships. So in that regards, we definitely just took the leap. Oh my gosh. I feel like we've been talking about your brand a long time. I have no sense of time these days. It feels like the pandemic just happened, but you started mid-pandemic? Yeah. Yeah. In 2020, in the thick of it. <laughs> oh my gosh. So tell me about the the idea for the brand going in and has it evolved? Yeah. It basically started as a side project. We were bored during the pandemic. On you know, We had our unemployment money. We were just kind of like, this world is so weird and we didn't have anything to do. So we were making um, little handbags and pouches, like homemaking everything. We were like painting canvas. We were hand embroidering. Um, Tanner used to do his own handbag and pouch line in actually in middle school and high school. So we were like, oh, let's just do this together. It would be fun. So we pitched um, that little line to like small boutiques, like literally neighborhood boutiques in um, Brooklyn. And people were actually picking it up. And I don't know, we were like, pleasantly surprised we I didn't I didn't really expect anything to come out of it so we saw this happening and we were like wow we could actually maybe do something for real so it was then that we decided to like take the turn and create Tanner Fletcher as it is today Um, you know we thought about what we wanted personally in a fashion brand we thought about what was lacking when we went into department stores and went shopping So we really sat down and like created this fantasy world of Tanner Fletcher. And that's really when it got started. Yes. Was the plan to rely on, we're going to find the right partners. There's going to be like alignment with other brands. They have foot, they'll have foot traffic if, if things are not in lockdown. Um, but as opposed to, we hear a lot of, um, brands that tried to just un- leverage social media and and build a following and find an influencer who loves it? Or, or was it a little bit of both? Yeah, it was more like a little bit of both. Honestly, whatever whatever we could get at that time. I think it really started from this place of, of just impu- impulse, you know? We were just like, let's do it. We really didn't know exactly what we needed or what it would take. It was really a learn-as-you-go experience. So yeah, we were like, if an influencer wants something, we'll give them. If we can get in the retailer, we'll take it. I think it was, the vision was to do both from the beginning, just from our experience in retail and, you know, our short experiences. I think we were just like everything. 
What can you tell me about what was missing from the market of what you saw? And you said you were going to kind of come in, fill in what you want to wear. Yeah, we had always shopped in department stores between the men's and the women's departments. You know, we really didn't see these kind of gendered boundaries. So we really wanted to do a brand that just ignored labels. You know, we didn't want to make something that was like this new category. We didn't want to make a brand that sat alone and not in the women's or not in the men's, but we just wanted to ignore the labels altogether. We wanted our customer to feel completely open, no matter who they are, to be able to shop Tanner Fletcher. We always tell the stories like we would walk into department stores, you know, browsing the women's section and we'd kind of get nudged by, you know, the sales associate being like, oh, the men's section is over there. Or, you know, just kind of like those assumptions that they're not harm. Like, like, the- duh. <laughs> right. <laughs> like, they're not tr- trying to make you feel bad. But at the end, they just kind of feel like, hmm, I don't feel as comfortable shopping in the women's section in this store now. So we we just brought, wanted to tear those walls down and create an open pathway for anybody to shop. I feel like everybody has a different level of masculinity and femininity, no matter what your gender identity is or your sexuality. So it's just nice to kind of go on that scale and not these traditional like, oh, this these are women's pants and these are men's pants. Have your um, retail partners kind of treated you as as you had envisioned, where sometimes maybe you're working with women's buyers, sometimes men's buyers, you're kind of just retailers, maybe different. Uh, you, you work with different partners depending on the retailers, I guess, level of comfort with with what you're doing. Yeah, it's it's really a case by case situation. We always, you know, lead with the same vision. Some retailers will only buy for their women's department, some only for their men's, which is just fine as long as you know it's not like this culture of like if it's in the men's section, women can't buy it. You know, we just avoid that at all costs. But yeah, it's it's also been a difficulty working with retailers because I think some people, depending on the store, are still a little bit behind. They're like, we don't know where to put the brand. We've had retailers say like, oh, we don't have a genderless department. So then there's just not room for us. Um, yeah. And things that don't <laughs> really make sense. <laughs> <laughs> so we've dealt with some difficulties, but Luckily, the majority of people are very open-minded and excited to kind of be progressive and excited to move in this new direction. For sure. And at this stage, because you are a younger brand, like those partners are necessary. Do you have, um, is it large majority of your sales are coming through those retailers? I'd say it's about half and half. We're about- Oh, great. Yeah. We're half direct to consumer, half wholesale. Okay, great. Who's on your team? It's just Tanner and I. Stop it. Yes. Um, We, of course, work with our PR firm, which is lovely. So that's a huge help. And then we have my sister, Quinn, living close by. So she always lends a hand when whenever possible. And she's been our model and stuff. And of course, we work with other great people, but only our on our team is just Tanner and I. I am so impressed. Good for you. (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) It's crazy. We're desperate for some more, but we're working our way. For sure. Can you tell me about um, maybe a partnership on the retail front and then we'll move on from retail, but that um, that has proven like kind of best in class according to how you want to work. Like you you found a good partner in X um, and what's working there? Yeah, I suppose 
most of our partnerships are still pretty new because the brand is still pretty new, but we are actually launching at Nordstrom this week. Um, oh, great. And Congrats. You, thank you. I have no complaints about them so far. It's been really lovely. We're being merchandised in what's called their space section, which is for emerging designers. And it's very gender fluid. It's very like open, you know, anyone can shop there. So we feel really comfortable. We feel really supported. Um, you know, even though it's new, that's really the one that sticks out to me. Do you think you have a good balance of kind of left brain, right brain? I hear a lot when there are business partners that somebody kind of takes hold of one side of the business and the creative does their thing. Like, are you juggling at all? Yeah, we're both juggling it all. And I think I have to say it's still settling into place. We've realized it takes a long time. You know, we literally both did every single thing at the very beginning. We, you know, each wanted to share our opinions always. And now it's kind of we're each settling into our place, but it's still very both worlds. Like one of us is not just creative and one of us is just business. It's it doesn't work for us. So (laughs) it's it's a it's a hard balance, but it works for us. Definitely. Is there something that you wish you had known, like going into this fashion industry and as a younger uh, entrepreneur that I don't know, nobody told me this? (laughs) Yeah, I guess. It's more of like a feeling. I think that maybe from the outside, it looks a little bit easier to start a brand. I don't I don't think that anybody assumes it's easy to start a brand, but it's it's very challenging. You know, we we also don't come from a background where we, you know, had a full time job for a long time and had this nice little nest egg or we don't really have family connections that have a lot of money to share with us. So I think the most difficult part was funding the brand and being scrappy and realizing how long that would take. You know, it's been like three and a half years since the very beginning. And it feels like a very, very long time, but also a very short amount of time. So I don't know, I think what I would want to know is just, just the challenges. I think it's, it's hard to know until you're really in those shoes. But if anybody's listening and wants to start their own fashion brand, just be aware of the challenges, not trying to discourage anybody, but brace yourselves (laughs) and then do your thing, you know? Yes. Are you, are you content? Like this is self-funded. Would, would you um, like outside investors? Is that something that you would consider or that you're, maybe you're um, in talks with right now, or do you think that that would maybe hinder some of the, the freedom or creativity or what's your take on that? Yeah, I think it's absolutely necessary in fashion brands. We've been self-funded up to practically up to now, you know, we've had help here and there where, wherever we can get it, but it's practically been self-funded. We're luckily starting conversations with investors. And I think the brand is now getting to a place where it's, it looks good to investors and it's, you know, something that people are interested in. So for us, it's necessary. We have a very broad vision. We know exactly what we want to do with the brand and we know that that takes a lot of funds. Um, So yeah, it's different for everybody. And some people kind of like the more just slower way of just supporting themselves always. And that's totally cool too. But for us, we know we need some more cash. (laughs) (laughs) Show me the money. Yes. Um, (laughs) Good for you. Um, 
you had a pop-up, which is no, you know, nothing to sneeze at. Um, <laughs> talk to me about that. And it was just for two days, right? Early December. And tell me about like, was that a learning experience? You were able to see how people, I don't know, t- what was the approach? What was the goal? Yeah, it was a very short pop-up, but it was our first experience ever with in-person retail. So that alone was a big learning experience. Um, It was in collaboration with LES Collection, which is an art and interior design store. It was actually a pop-up within the pop-up. So LES was doing like a two or three month long pop-up and we got to be a part of it for a weekend. Um, So it was actually them that reached out to us and it was a really good match. I think our aesthetics go together. And honestly, the owner, Lauren, was so nice and so amazing to learn from. Um, You know, she really has her business like operating in a really good way. So it was just cool to be in a business that's fully functional. We see the inventory moving, we see the customers coming in. And it was almost just like kind of seeing our future in a way. We're going to take a quick break. Stay with us. The CFDA Vogue Fashion Fund. Is that an application process? Like the support and the love that you've seen from the CFDA. I feel like you are a CFDA darling and and at this young stage in your career. And I'm sorry to embarrass you or say that if that's No, I like that. I like that. I've never heard that. (laughs) But yes, what did it take to get there? It was a challenge, but I think it was something that we knew we wanted from the very beginning. I think we had seen the brands that have gone through the CFDA Vogue Fashion Fund, and right away we just knew we wanted to be one of those brands. So, I mean, we actually started sending our things to them well in advance. I mean, I look back at some of the things we sent the CFDA and think, oh my gosh, I can't believe we sent that. Like, the pre-brand anything, it was very, you know... A little sloppy, but I think you got to start somewhere. <laughs> yes. Um, but it's been really nice. We've we've felt very supportive by them. Um, the application process was challenging. It's it's a long application and requires a lot, which I think is a good thing. But when you're completing the application, it's challenging. There's like a long questionnaire, lots of questions to fill out, but then there's a digital um, portfolio. So you make an online portfolio, and then there's also a physical portfolio that you have to deliver to the Vogue offices, which was really fun. Um, The application... this is very, like, creative. Like, this is an investment. (laughs) Oh, yes. I'll tell you more about that in a second. So the application is two parts. So the first one is online only. And then you get notified that you've been moved on to the second round, which I think they say the first round usually has, like, close to 2,000 applicants. And then it's, like, maybe 40 to 50 people move on to the second round. So yeah, we we were very excited. And the second round is where you submit the physical portfolio and then uh, you have to make a minute long video introducing the brand, which we also got very creative with. Um, I think for the video, we did like tea time with Tanner Fletcher and we, oh we were sitting in our apartment with in two little chairs with like a little teapot and tea glasses. And we had like serene music playing and we were like hi (laughs) welcome to tea time it was very it was kind of theatrical and natural for us um our physical portfolio we did a a photo album 
Um, so we actually ordered this like custom, um, like upholstered photo album and we sewed one of our bows onto it that had a TF embroidered on it. And it was fun because we just made, I mean, an authentic photo album of like our past work and it was almost like crafting, you know? Yes. So that, that was, stand out. yeah, that was fun and creative and fun to be, you know, summoned to the Vogue offices to submit your portfolio. You know, the whole thing was just a pinch me moment. No doubt. How fabulous. Well, let's jump discussion points and talk fashion week because you do have a presence. It's like, on a, it's not runway show. It's not big elaborate presentation. How are you approaching it? And this is, um, is this similar uh, for fall 2024 to what you've done in seasons past? Yeah, I think we're kind of getting into the groove now, our fashion week groove, I would say. I think for our fall collections, it's usually better for us to be on the quiet side to do more of the by appointment only or a presentation or just kind of a more intimate event. And then it's more beneficial for us to kind of conserve our funds and create a more, you know, more of a spectacle for spring. I think September Fashion Week is just a little bit more busy. It has a little bit more hustle and bustle. I think people are more excited. Um, I I say because of the weather and January, January and February are always a bit gloomy. So I just think that's the that's the real difference. So that's our recipe for success. It's everybody kind of has a different one, but yeah, that's what we're doing. And it's also nice to have a break from a show because like I said, it's just Tanner and I, I mean, even for our runway show last season, we produced the whole thing ourselves. We had no production team. The whole thing ran off of volunteers. So it's fantastic. Yeah, it's fantastic and amazing um, and exhausting. So we we needed a little break. It's a quick turnaround from September to February. I've heard from various people different takes on this idea, but regardless of your presence and the format of your show or presentation, like to be a part of New York Fashion Week in some capacity, is it just like a no-brainer? It's non-negotiable. You need to be there. I think yes and no. It really depends on on the brand and the people. For us, I think it was absolutely necessary at the beginning. Um, For example, like our first two shows were really challenging for us to afford budget-wise. They were also very challenging to do with no production and no experience, but they were absolutely necessary. I wouldn't change a thing. It really just put the brand out there. It gave a platform for people to see the brand and observe the brand. And it was really necessary for growth. I think as you get older or grow bigger, it's not a must-have. It's not absolutely necessary. But, for example, the one one time a year to do a big spectacle really works for us because you still do need to grab people's attention. You still do need to put the brand out in front of people's faces but it's a little more lenient. It's not, it's not, you know, the only way. For sure. Any surprises this season or uh, what can you tell us about what's to come for your appointments? I will pop in. <laughs> oh, yes. Um, the appointments, I think it's really more the collection that is, you know, the appointments won't have any big surprises, but the, no, co- no, no. the, the collection, clothes. you know, I don't want to give anything away, but I'll say we always we always do, you know, some sort of fun evening wear 
we always like to dive into kind of red carpet looks. And I'm really excited about one in particular, I must say. But, you know, you can expect a lot of ruffles as usual, a lot of lace and bows. I think as the seasons go on, we're just getting better and better at using our skills. You know, when we started the brand, we also didn't know anything about making clothes or the techniques. And it's exciting to kind of see those develop season to season. On that note, you guys have kind of cracked the the secret to, I guess, working with retailers and being able to scale at your I don't know, again, small, you, you have the right manufacturers, the right factories, you can pull off a large order if need be, like you're prepared. Mm-hmm. Amazing. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, we work with some great factories, almost all in the garment district, which is a whole other scene that's really fun to be a part of in fashion. I mean, it's really, that's where Tanner is right now reigning as king of the garment district. I mean, he has that <laughs> place down. It's, It's so fun to see like all the different components that go into one piece of clothing. Tanner will bring, you know, a line of coats to get their buttonholes done somewhere, to get the buttons made somewhere else, to get the buttons sewn on somewhere else. It's just a crazy buzzing place. And you don't really, you don't really see it if you just are walking through. What can you tell me about inclusivity and diversity and gender inclusivity in particular? Like, it's a little bit wild. Like I feel like we've been touching on this for a couple of years that that more and designers haven't embraced this concept or more. Well, we talked about retailers, but um, is it surprising to you or this is, I don't know, how would you describe the state of fashion in terms of embracing diversity inclusivity? Yeah, it is almost shocking at, at that you see, you don't see enough of it. That's what's shocking to me. Um, So I think that was with the gender inclusivity, that was one of the main reasons we started the brand. And it was also, you know, during COVID, we saw a lot of, you know, hatred towards people of Asian descent during COVID. We saw, I mean, the whole ongoing BLM movement during the founding of the brand. So along with gender inclusivity, we kind of just looped all inclusivity into the brand as part of our main mission. And yeah, I mean, it's shocking. I'll be scrolling, doing my research, scrolling on other large brands' websites, and you don't see any inclusivity. It's like all the e-com models are all, you know, the traditional e-com model, one skin color. You know, I just think we need to fight for inclusivity. It's really challenging. I think the thing about the brand is that we like to build up authentic characters, That's kind of our recipe when we're looking for models or representation for the brand. We're looking for real people and real characters. I mean, we've we literally approach people on the streets and ask them to be models. So I think it's just making sure that the casting and the brand itself is truly a reflection of what you see on the street. Oh my gosh. They're like, Tanner Fletcher just discovered me. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> I know we've, we've been thinking about getting like business cards made that I can just like hand to people. Cause I, I am, I'm a little shy. I don't like to like approach people like that. So I just need a You're little like, card. We're a brand. I swear we have a brand. I yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Oh my God. What's inspiring you now? A lot. I mean, that's one thing about our minds is they're always spinning with inspiration. 
I mean, I kind of have all these buckets in my head that I live in. Like one is living in the home and interiors. Um, every time we go to Paris, we go to the flea markets um, and find all these treasures. So I'm just always inspired by home. Um, but I guess the past two years, since we were just talking about authenticity, I'm really, really inspired by authenticity and authentic people. Um, we're casting for our show or our presentation right now, I guess for our lookbook, I should say. Um, and it's so fun to meet all these people and see people's real personality and see people smiling and hear people's stories, where they came from and, you know, what they do. Even some of our models, you know, one that we're working with this season and we worked with last season, he, you know, I'm going to butcher what he actually does, but I believe he's like in, <laughs> in like tech. So he has a very serious job and then he gets to do modeling on the side. And it's so fun to like see that dynamic of somebody who's not typically a model become this persona. So cool. Yeah. And I think that gets reflected in the products. I think we just kind of take that feeling. It's a lot of emotions that get put into the products. So it's all invisible, but I think that people take note of that and they can feel it when they see our stuff. Look at you with all the traction in the first four years. I have to ask, last question for you. Um, say we talk again in six years. This is 10 years into the start of the brand. What is your goal? Where would you like to be? What, where do you see the brand going? Yeah, like I said before, we have a very vast vision for Tanner Fletcher. So it looks quite small right now, but we envision it almost being like a department store. Um, that's kind of our inspiration, but more of like a classic department store that you would have seen in maybe the early 1900s, almost like, I don't want to say mercantile because that kind of shifts it into a different direction, but a department store that isn't this big thing that we're used to. It's more of like a shop that has different products. So for us, that would be, you know, handbags, shoes, the basic fashion things, but also it would include home it includes jewelry. And then we really want to dabble in other things. Like they can be random things like flowers, you know, have a little Tanner Fletcher flower shop or other things like that. We just enjoy getting creative and making the brand, you know, a spectacle. It's something kind of theatrical and dramatic and something that everybody can take part in. And what we are all hungry for at retail, would this be in New York, do you think? Yes, for sure. New York is our is our home and I it's where our biggest fan base is. Would there be a tea party situation? <laughs> Definitely. I mean, that sounds like a good event to have, a Tanner Fletcher tea party, a tea shop. Oh. We could have our own tea. I could go on all day. <laughs> oh my God. I will be checking in with you in six years. <laughs> yes, yes. I want this store. No, it will be out there. I'm excited. That sounds fantastic. Yes, one day. Well, Fletcher, this was oh so fun. Did we? I feel like we covered a lot of territory. I'm excited for your collection. Thank you for being here. Yes, thanks for having me. It was fun chatting with you. That's all for this episode. Our theme music is by Otis McDonald. Be sure to give us a rating on Apple Podcasts or wherever you're listening to The Glossy Podcast. See you next week.